It is the first day of February, and we're all aware that it is also the first day of Black History Month. Now, I've very clearly stated in the past that I feel like Black History Month is every month of the year. I don't want to silo my lived experiences and thoughts and just all the things that are in my mind to one month a year. And honestly, as a content creator who works with companies and organizations, it often feels like Black History Month is an afterthought, as is the case this year. I originally had a totally different episode in mind, and then I found myself wanting to share something personal as well as an observation. In this podcast episode, I'm going to talk about Black women and the pursuit of a life of ease. I think this episode will resonate with a lot of my listeners and surprise many as well. I look forward to hearing your thoughts, and I do have an ask. I would love for you to support the Michelle is Money Hungry podcast through my crowdfunding campaign that I'm running for the month of February. I love partnering with brands to bring free and discounted content to my listeners. My goal is to share helpful content and hold conversations that wouldn't be held in traditional personal finance spaces. Leading into this year's Black History Month, I started to hear from other creators that they were noticing a significant drop in brands reaching out partner on content. In my case, I actually think this is a good thing because I plan on holding some difficult conversations that I don't want to have to reframe or change or be worried about because I'm working with a brand partner. I don't want to upset them. With that in mind, I'm launching a crowdfunding campaign with the goal of earning at least $5,000 in the month of February. What is the money for? To cover the cost of running the show for one month. This money covers the following time, administrative tasks, and production of each show. But I think that it's not enough just to say, please support the show. I want to offer another ask or another option, which would be, I don't typically coach people. And so what I'd like to do is a pay what it's worth coaching option for those who would like to get coaching on building an online brand, podcasting, working with brands, that kind of thing. How does that work? Basically, what you would do is pay the amount that you think an hour of coaching would be worth, and then we would schedule a time and go from there. If you are wanting to just do a regular donation or do this, I'm going to share a PayPal link, but if you're doing the coaching, please just make a note that it's coaching. If you're doing a general donation, just put donation. One thing I would ask is that you pledge a minimum of $100 for the coaching. That's all I ask. Other than that, please send your donation or your coaching amount to michelleismoneyhungry at gmail.com, my PayPal address, and I thank you for your continued support. listening to my show since the beginning, you may be vaguely familiar with my origin story, but I think it's very important to share some aspects of it again in light of this episode. Before I started making content online, I used to work as a student services coordinator for an international English language program, and I freaking loved it. In fact, many of my colleagues had worked at the center beginning when I was born. This is a field and space, professional space, where professionals are very mission and heart driven about the work that they do, which is to create a welcoming and safe space for international students. In my case, that was creating a safe space in the United States 
which often doesn't feel that safe to me, a citizen. I did what many people do at work. I went all in. And like at many organizations, my superiors were more than happy to let me work beyond what was a reasonable capacity. When I finally quit at my 10-year mark, I was suffering from burnout, depression, and anxiety. I was also asking myself a lot of questions about the following. What is my purpose? How can I have more leisure in my life? Where did my joy go? And what role does work play in fostering purpose, leisure, and joy? When I quit, I bought tickets for a two-month trip out of the country so that I wouldn't change my mind. Like literally, I put in my notice and I bought tickets so that I would not back out. It ended up taking me a year to recover physically from just all the stress of that job and even longer mentally. I didn't feel like myself for a really long time after I left. So as I flew from Denver to Los Angeles, to Oahu, to Sydney, Australia, I could feel the pressure just dropping off my back, like all the expectations, both from the organization, from the clients that I served and from myself. I also discovered that I wasn't unique in wanting something different for myself in terms of rest and, and space and downtime. At the end of 2022, I spent a significant amount of time reflecting on what worked and didn't work well for me in 2022. I was confronted with a realization that I didn't expect. I had overcorrected with my embrace of leisure and that what I'd seen at home and around me was a huge reason why. How my family members worked was something that I really took to heart and observed and watched and, and hear me out. Black women in particular, if you're listening, I wonder if what I'm going to share resonates with you. I watched my mom work so freaking hard, multiple jobs at any given time. I don't remember my mom not ever working fewer than two jobs. I know that we always hear people across the diaspora talking about this. And, and in the U.S., oftentimes immigrants will talk about how their parents will do this, kind of with the idea that African-Americans do not. But in my case, I only ever remember my mom working two jobs at any given time. I also remember her working during holidays, always going to school and getting education. And it just, it felt like it never stopped. Now, um, I do want to say that I do remember her doing some fun things, but in my view, I feel like the amount of fun I wanted to see my mom have is just way below what I think any human should have. But it wasn't just my mom. I grew up hearing stories of my grandma working multiple jobs, working a forklift at a plant. These folks worked their asses off. It just left an impression on me, both good and bad. I talk about policy so much because I think about how financial policy could have changed my mom, my grandma, and other people's lives. I also saw how financial policy did help my mom and other people around me. It is not lost on me that financial policy can help people in ways like in ways that impact them beyond what you would expect. So in the fall of 2022, the state of Colorado had a policy that we were voting on, which was to feed kids at school, regardless of income. The idea was if kids are at school, they can just eat. I know it's crazy. And there's no income requirement. There's no proving of anything. Just if you're sending your kid to school, they're eating. There's no opting in or opting out. Just food at schools would be free. And this 
policy resonated across the board. It was an easy yes. It passed overwhelmingly. And what I think about is all of those families who now have to pay for meals across the U.S. and how much that impacts their overall budget, their monthly budget, especially as we make jokes about the cost of eggs. Financial policy matters. Ultimately, I found myself questioning why it was that so many people work so hard for so long and sometimes it just feels like nothing comes of it. Like you work and you work and you work. And for some people, it just feels like it just the hard work doesn't pay off. And that's a little pessimistic of me, but I, I'm keeping it real in this conversation. This is when it became clear to me that the following is at play to many people's success. There's more than just hard work creates success. There's your network, a splash of luck, access, sometimes nepotism, race, gender, the list goes on. You just never know. It's a crapshoot sometimes. Despite sharing these cynical thoughts, I do want to say that I 100% believe in hard work. I do think that people who are focused on a goal typically are able to reach many parts of their end goal. The question though that I ask is at what cost? Black women are often the workhorse of their organizations and in their personal lives and communities. We are caregivers, we are financial caregivers, and we also have high expectations of ourselves. We are the most educated population in the United States. We're going and getting degrees at rates that just far exceed other people and are going into business for ourselves in similar numbers. We're also not doing well financially, physically, and emotionally because this is a lot of responsibility to carry and also because policy has changed. So as much as I love education and being educated, it's great. The cost of it makes me question whether or not people could make different choices to get educated. There's a reason why the military has been a, a an attractive way to move ahead because it covers a lot of the costs of education, things like that. And in fact, when I was born, I was preemie. My parents were able to, basically I was a preemie and they had to get diapers. And so the nurse had to go across the street to get diapers. This is the story I was told because I was too, I was too small for what they had at the hospital. And in order for my mom to give birth to me, it was free because military family, but the Pampers were 525. So my birth story is that I arrived a month early, <laughs> that I was preemie, that my diapers, they didn't have small enough ones at the hospital and they paid 525 for my diapers. So the military can be very attractive to people for stuff like that. Free birth. We deserve a life of ease, but I want to caution against overcorrecting and embracing ease in such a way that we endanger ourselves financially in the long run. And by a life of ease, I'm talking about the following, working in organizations that respect and empower us. And how this may look is by finding a new job that pays more with a better organizational culture or negotiating a salary that really meets your expectations and your professional credentials, having vacations and time of rest. This could start small by scheduling three-day weekends outside of the normal holiday weekends. I think people are really used to just, if there's a holiday weekend, that's when you take a break. But I will say one thing, Colorado gets things wrong, but I will say the people get the following thing right, which is three-day weekends. 
And you will often hear of people just exploring the state and doing different things off of the regular holiday weekends because they use their PTO or vacation time so that they have more times of rest throughout the year. Having access to pay transparency, financial advocacy, and professional support at work. So again, I'm talking about a life of ease. And in order to have that happen in terms of pay transparency, et cetera, reaching out and asking people in your field for guidance on how to get this information. Sorry, a little hiccup. Being loved in ways that allows us to be our best selves and removing ourselves from people or situations where we're mistreated or it's just toxic. Having support in our homes, such as cleaning help, cooking support, or childcare without being judged. Sometimes you just need to bring someone in to help you to do the things that you need to do. And it could be that this happens once a month, that you just allocate a week where people are coming in to do the things and that just takes some emotional and physical labor off of you. Time to read books, dance, do yoga, or meditate. You could find free or inexpensive classes via meetup.com, Eventbrite, or Facebook events. You could go hiking with Outdoor Afro. You could go on a small retreat where you just go on a staycation in your town at a really cool hotel that you're really excited about. The list goes on. We're seeing Black women leaving the U.S. in increasing numbers in order to geo-arbitrage their way to a life of ease in more welcoming, safer, and affordable countries. I know of many women who have done this. But I have some concerns and thoughts that I wanted to share because I want Black women to thrive now and in the future as they embrace a life of ease. And so I have some thoughts on how to design a financially viable life of ease. The ultimate goal for myself and in having this conversation is just to get women to think about designing longevity into their life of ease plan. I'm in a number of groups where members are looking to move abroad temporarily or permanently. So they're really seriously thinking about going overseas for a different experience a different life, what have you. Some of these people want to do it for a summer. Other people are like, I'm done, I'm leaving. So wherever you might fall within this, I want you to hear the following. I'm in groups that are multiracial as well as groups with predominantly white members and groups that are primarily black. And I've noticed some significant differences in the conversations people are having as they relate to financing their lives abroad temporarily or permanently, and some important long-term financial considerations that I feel consistently aren't being discussed in particular in the groups with large numbers of people of color. Like the focus is on the escape. And I'm like, but what if you escape in such a way that you have to come back? And when you have to come back, it's the, the worst time. I will also mention that in my old professional role, I primarily focused on helping international students attain their visas to study in the U.S. A large part of that job and that process of getting those visas was being able to show that they had the money to live here. In fact, international students living in the U.S. have likely, and I'm sure it has not changed since I left my old role, had to share that they have the following income, money for tuition, accommodation, miscellaneous expenses for the exact number of months that they would be in the U.S., in addition to health insurance. I'm bringing this up because affording a life of ease is often being thought of from a geo-arbitrage standpoint. You're going to go to this other country and it's much cheaper, but 
people are looking to move in such a way where I feel like they're forgetting a couple of things or they're not anticipating some things and they're being caught off guard when asked to prove that they have the finances to live in the country or countries that they're excited about. Yes, it may be cheaper, but the country does not want you using their social services, especially because citizens have paid into those services for their entire working lives. With that in mind, I have some questions and some thoughts. Also, please, please note, this is not financial advice. You should work with a financial professional for any financial choices, decisions, or just plans that you're trying to make. Here are my questions. How would you define a life of ease? What are some of the steps that you could take to starting uh, creating your life of ease right now? So that could be setting personal and professional boundaries, finding free and inexpensive self-care experiences that you could enjoy, or just beginning to say yes to something that gives you joy right now. You could also look to offload tasks that you don't have the capacity for. My next question, how are you affording your life of ease here in the United States? How are you affording your life of ease overseas? How are you preparing financially for your life of ease right now? So if you're thinking about this, going abroad for six months, going for a year, whatever you're trying to do, or just you're looking to have someone come in and do the cleaning. How are you preparing for that so that you can have that happen? How do your retirement years factor in your life of ease planning? Because if you're lucky, you will age. Aging is a blessing, but aging and having no money is not. So how are you planning for that? I don't care where you live. You still, your expenses will still catch up to you because you still might have to have someone come in and care for you or help you in some sort of way. What kind of work will you do that pays well and allows you to plan for current and future financial milestones that you need to take into consideration? If you have kids, maybe you want to help them go to college. If you have a spouse, maybe they need a professional development course and you guys have to figure out how to plan for that, how to pay for that. Maybe you want to buy a house. Maybe your family is expanded and you need more space. I mean, there's just things to think about. A life of ease doesn't mean that you've just stopped working, especially if you don't have the following action plans in place for current living expenses, health care, insurance, dependents or your spouse's expenses, self-care, emergencies, technology upgrades, transportation, retirement planning, investing for your future, inflation, food, the list goes on. Fun. I'm bringing all of this up because I see so many women, black women taking the leap and then we're just barely getting by, but we're just somewhere else. I don't want you to stay here if you're not happy. I want you to be able to leave and not be forced to return because you didn't plan as well as you, as you should have. We're not accounting for inflation, which is a constant changing your life circumstances and making sure we're financially empowered separate from a partner. That's the other thing. Things happen to partners, divorces, death, injuries. I know that's a downer, but I, I just feel like we need to be candid about this. COVID has me rethinking everything. I think everything has a season, a season of rest, recalibration and strategizing. Once you're rested up, how, how can you design a life of ease that has a financially stable foundation? I want to acknowledge the headwinds that impact our planning, financial caregiving, lack of pay transparency, self-doubt, not a broad enough 
and deep enough network. Oftentimes it's who you know that can make a, that can make a huge difference in what you're able to connect with. Current financial obligations. If you have a ton of debt or excessively high monthly expenses, it will be really hard to design a life of ease. Constantly reevaluate the financial aspects of your life of ease. I spent a lot of time reevaluating my own life of ease last fall after my first and hopefully only bout with COVID. I was sick for a week and then experienced serious fatigue in my legs for months, which was really scary. I feel much better now, but it was a huge wake up call. I'm very happy with how I've been intentional about a lot of aspects of my daily lived life prioritizing time with friends and family, focusing on wellness, pursuing projects that keep me intellectually curious and excited and pay well. But I realized that I may have overcorrected with my life of ease. And that's a little embarrassing to admit, but not in a bad way, but just in a, ooh, I'm glad I thought about this and caught it. And I realized that when I was in a meeting with some friends who are very high earning freelancers. Now, I will say several of them expressed that they were dealing with burnout. But in speaking with them, I was like, I don't ever want to kill myself to make what they're making in the way that they are. But there's some lessons to be learned about what they were doing. I realized that it's important to touch base with your stated goals to yourself at least once a year and that I hadn't created a mechanism within my life to do that. When I left my old job, I wanted freedom and flexibility. I have that in spades. I've perfected that for myself, but I should have checked in with myself and my goals a little sooner because things changed. If I'm not sitting down and I'm like, these are the goals, this is what I have to do. And life and leisure and freedom, I've got that covered. Now I need to do this other thing. I would have coasted, I think. In the past year, especially, I realized that I wanted a higher level of financial ease. I wanted to make more and that all of the work that I'd done to diversify my income was actually really smart. So I spent a lot of time creating diverse income streams. However, it was clear, especially after meeting with my friends, that I could work harder and that low key, I had a little bit of a resistance because of seeing how hard my family worked, but also some guilt because I wasn't working as hard. It was like a really complicated feeling. Now, by the way, in my old jobs, plural, I worked like a dog. And I think that was the other thing too. In my old job, I was working 40 to 80 hours a week, depending on what, what was going on. And that was including commute time. That was work time. It just was so, so exhausting and stressful, but that's not the case now. That's not what I'm doing now. And that's not really my, that's not my situation anymore. Basically I want more money. <laughs> I'll be working harder than I've worked in a long while, but for a season, it's not forever. And because I had that season of ease, which was so needed, I, I needed that time. I have the energy to focus on higher levels of output and the goals that I've created for myself. I'm going to be transparent and say that when I thought about these new work-related goals, working just to work was just never going to work. Like the alliteration, working harder had to make sense. I have a very aggressive earnings goal for 2023. It will require me to drastically change my output and 
I'm up for the challenge. I've even tentatively scheduled small retreats throughout the year so that I can sustain this output and still have the ease that I deserve, enjoy, and want. Black women, I want you to have ease as well. Financial security and just joy. So I will leave you with three final questions. What does a life of ease look like for you? I'm asking that again. I don't want you to be unprepared and on the wrong side of the financial statistics out there that impact us. You can start preparing financially for your life of leisure now, paying off debt, starting a savings account, building an income independent of a nine to five that can scale significantly over time, cultivating long-term wealth because you deserve financial ease too. And by that, what I mean is investing, focusing on increasing your earnings, that kind of thing. Question number two, how will you proactively prepare for a financial life of leisure? And then finally, question number three, what is your biggest fear? And how does that fear impact your life of ease? For me, mine is having to work a nine to five again. I'm actually going to share a podcast episode about why I have that fear. And it's going to be, it's going to be hard for some people to, to listen to, but I'll share a statistic that I'll never forget, which is 97% of African-Americans polled about going back to the office after the COVID restrictions eased up said that they did want to return to the office 97%. And I'm one of them. They just wanted to do their work and enjoy their lives and keep it moving. That's where I'm at. It's the beginning of Black History Month. I want you to hear that you deserve good things. I guess ultimately this episode is about balance in our pursuits. Let me know what you think. Don't forget to help me raise funds for Michelle is Money Hungry during the month of February. Again, I am crowdfunding. You can either just do a regular donation or do a pay what it's worth coaching session and one hour session. Just let me know. Again, you'll send the payment via PayPal, Michelle is Money Hungry at gmail.com. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. I look forward to hearing what you think. Mm-hmm.